Welcome to episode 117 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I can't handle one more thing. I've heard this from several prospective clients in the last few weeks. I get it. You've been signing up for courses over the last year or two and not completing any of them. You want to be focused and actually moving forward with your business plans. And you're worried this will be another one of those wishful thinking programs. But the more program for entrepreneur women is not one more thing. It's clarity, focus, and strategy and a community of entrepreneurial women rooting you on, all guided by a coach who won't let you wander too far in the wrong direction before asking the questions that help you realize you're off course. How do I know someone is a prospective client? They have ambition, drive, and the desire to implement several new projects all at once. That's a clue for me that what they need is clarity, focus, and strategy. Like Teresa, who came to me for help launching a podcast and quickly realized that she wanted more. She wanted to have greater influence, diversify her revenue streams, and stop making money hour by hour. Over six months, she increased her coaching fees by 50% and lowered her client hours by 20%, giving her two half days to work on her business with a new sense of clarity, focus, and strategy. The MORE program for entrepreneurial women will help you remove internal and external obstacles so you can achieve your goals through relationship-based strategies. There's a 90-day sprint to help you get clarity about your strategic next steps and then 90 more days to help you implement your vision. Just four women in each cohort and the next one starts in January. Learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. Your challenge for this week list out all of the courses and programs you've signed up for over the last three years. What percentage of each one do you think you completed? Did you see results? What formats work best for you? Maybe a mix of one-on-one coaching, master classes filled with great content, and small group masterminds would be a great fit for you? (laughs) Well, try all of this and let me know what you learn about your learning style. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is one of the world's top authorities on growing a consulting business. He has authored five books on consulting and business growth, and his most recent book, The Elite Consulting Mind, is an Amazon bestseller. He has helped over 300 consultants all over the world and over 50 industries add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. In his role as the CEO of Consulting Success, he's advised organizations like Financial Times and Dow Jones and help Panasonic launch new products into the global markets. Please join me in welcoming Michael Zapersky. Hey, Robbie, great to be with you. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for joining me from your office in Vancouver. As you know, this is a podcast about leadership and networking, and uh, I just want to jump right in. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah, for me, I mean, leadership is really all about leadership of self. Uh, I know a lot of people think of leadership in terms of leading others. Uh, I'm a big believer that you need to to lead yourself before you can lead others. Um, and really, everything that I've done from a young age until now has been very focused on 
making myself better or taking specific actions that, that then, because I've taken those, allow me to, to make an impact on others. And whether that's our own team uh, within the business or uh, businesses that I've had in the past, as well as working with our clients, um, you know, demonstrating what we want people to see. I think there's a lot of people out there who would uh, give advice to people, but then don't take that advice themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've observed is that the more that you act the way that you want others to act, the more that you'll actually attract those types of people into your life and the more congruency and consistency you'll see play out as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It feels like otherwise there's like a, almost a hypocritical nature to it, you know, that you're telling other people like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, which is never flies very well, no matter whether you're a parent or a boss doesn't really work. So when did you first start to get a sense of, of leadership for yourself? Like at a younger age, did you run for school office? Did other people see leadership potential in you? Was there someone you looked up to? Like, how did, how did you first think about leadership? Yeah, for me, it was probably on the sports field. Um, I grew up uh, originally I was born in Toronto from a young age. My parents moved us uh, to the Middle East. Uh, so I spent about four plus years in Israel. And uh, when I came back to North America, I really felt like an outsider. I didn't speak English. Uh, I didn't have a support system. I didn't have any friends. Uh, I had an appreciation for different cultures and religions and people. And I just loved all of that. But here I was with really no one. And so I needed to, I felt like I needed and wanted to uh, make a place for myself to be accepted uh, and to show that I, you know, that I could hang with with others, and the way that I was able to do that was through was through sports, was through really, uh, you know, being athletic, uh, driving myself, being very very competitive, and so that led pretty quickly to me taking uh, kind of a role at the front in every sports team, whether it was baseball or soccer or later rugby or track and field, extremely competitive. I think what drove me and continues to drive me that early experience of just feeling like an outsider, um, I look at it and go, well, you know, yeah, that must have been really hard. And that's such a negative to feel that fact. Yeah, maybe uh, it was challenging. I'm sure it was. Uh, but it's really given me an advantage because what I learned over those years is that anything that I set my mind to, and I believe this is, this is true for anyone, that when I set my mind to something, it's never a question of like, can this actually be achieved? Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, when and what do I need to do to make it happen? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's quite a journey. I mean, to to realize that that experience that op- that it opened you up to other cultures, to the appreciation of a, I, I'm sure that's helping you a lot today uh, as you have an impact globally. But then you have that adversary adversity of having to figure out, okay, how do I navigate this? How do I how do I hang with my peers? And uh, yeah. it's nice that sports was like a kind of even the playing field, so to speak, <laughs> to to use that metaphor even further. Um, and and but yet you really sought out sort of a leadership opportunities within that. Did, were there certain coaches that really saw something in you and really kind of inspired you to, to like you said, do that self-work to, to be a better leader from within? Yeah, I mean, I had certainly many uh, coaches over the years, some that maybe at that time I didn't, like I had one track and field coach. I was very competitive, you know, winning uh, city and provincial championships and looking to get scholarships to go to uh, big U.S. schools, I learned or kind of decided that it actually wasn't the path that I wanted to take. I didn't necessarily enjoy going to the gym six days a week and throwing discuses and you know javelins and shot puts mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I had a coach uh, in a program that I was in that I didn't really like that much at that time because he was very strict. But 
looking back, and I think I started to realize over time that he was doing that just like that's how he expressed himself, and and really he wanted to get the most out of his uh, his team and you know those that he was coaching. So there was uh, an impact from people like him, uh, and even in the school setting, I was never. I never liked school. I never studied very much. I was really doing sports my whole life until uh, my last two years in in high school when I kind of finally realized, like, yeah, maybe I actually do need to learn how to read a book and um, you know and test and kind of complete tests with a pretty good score. Uh, but there were certain teachers that really made an impact on me um, that brought the you know the subject to life, and and I think that also for me looking now, like as I work with others influenced how I approach working with clients, uh, deep down inside, you know, as a consultant, as a coach of other consultants, uh, what I've recognized that I'm really a teacher, uh, mm-hmm. what, what drives me, motivates me, uh, gives me the most enjoyment is, is helping others. It's not always in a business context, but just the fact of helping people, uh, is really what uh, I think I get the most out of. So I, I'm kind of curious. I want, I want to actually morph a little bit into the work that you do today. Um, and, and I, I always ask people sort of, you know, what is uh, most rewarding, but you already sort of started to talk a little bit about that. But I also want to know, like, consult, being a consultant to consultants or coaching coaches, like, that's such an interesting sort of paradigm. Obviously, every coach needs a coach. And, and I just want to say to anyone listening right now, if you're going to hire a business coach, ask them who their coach is. And if they don't have one, keep looking. Because, you know, we all got to be growing and learning. So important. But how did you sort of fall into, into this particular niche and develop such a, just a strong brand around it? Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of people these days who, who teach. And I think teaching, while teaching is important, um, the best teachers that I know are those that, that practice themselves. Um, you know, before starting Consulting Success and before coaching other consultants and helping them to grow their consulting businesses, you know, I've been building consulting businesses myself for over 18 years, uh, right out of high school. My cousin Sam and I started our first consulting business. Uh, then we opened another one a few years later. I ended up going over to Japan and opening up a, a branch office for our company over there, which allowed me to have an opportunity to work with brands like Panasonic, Dow Jones Japan, Financial Times Japan, Omron, Sumitomo, a whole bunch of other billion-dollar organizations. Um, and that was a lot of fun, right, from a cultural perspective, learning the language mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, just being in Japan, which is such a wonderful country. Uh, but as you know, we were building that business, I later came back to North America, uh, started a, another lead generation consulting business, uh, working with professional services firms. So all of this, like I was at the front lines. And so the way that consulting success got started was that Sam and I realized that we also wanted to start something that could live online. We both love travel. Uh, my wife is from Japan. And so I also wanted to have the ability for us to spend you know, several months every year there to be with family uh, because that is so important and we're able to do that. But um, so we said, you know, we decided we would start something online. We didn't know what it would be. And the, the starting point for that really was writing articles. So I was writing articles and sharing like stories from the trenches of what was working for me, what wasn't working, like, you know, big um, challenges and, and failures, but also learning opportunities and successes and, and strategies and tactics um, just putting out content piece after content piece and that started to build the community. And then it got to the point where people said, Hey, can you help me? Can you help sure. us in what, in what we're doing? Um, and so at the same time as we were starting to offer courses and coaching programs and trainings for consultants, um, I was running and building consulting businesses. Wow. So how long ago was, was that beginning with writing those articles for this? About 10 years ago. 
about 10 years ago. So you're an overnight success 10 years in the making. That's really great, Michael. 100%. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that how it works? (laughs) Yes. There's very few things in business that actually, you know, lead to success overnight. Um, There are certain things in consulting actually that allow you to see results uh, almost overnight, uh, but there aren't many, you know, many things that actually, yeah. um, as I think people understand, <laughs> even though yeah. we're, we're all surrounded by claims and hype these days that would try to uh, lead us, you know, in the direction to decide otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to put the hard work in. So what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? Uh, you know, the answer that's very easy. And that's just the results that our clients get mm-hmm. um, far more than, you know, seeing our bank balance increase or having a client payment come in, which in the early stages of, I think any businesses is like, you know, you're high-fiving, you're, you're getting a grin on your face when you see the money coming in and especially when it really starts to flow in. But, um, you know, at this stage and for quite some time, what really means the most to, to me is getting an email from clients, which, you know, seems like it happens several times throughout the week where they're like, Hey, just, you know, just won this deal, just got this new client, just applied exactly what we talked about. And they just renewed for another year, just landed this half a million dollar deal, landed this $50,000, like stuff like that, because it's not just about the financials. It's about helping people to realize their true potential and to, to really, um, create the, the impact and the freedom, because when, they have success that doesn't just impact them themselves it impacts their family right and, mm-hmm. and the community um and my belief is that the more people that are able to really realize their true potential have success have more freedom and enjoyment uh the better off the world is so what was particularly challenging about creating this particular business you know you started to define who you wanted to work with was it smooth sailing you know like what were those first couple of years like as you're trying to establish your credibility in what wasn't maybe as crowded a space, but it became increasingly crowded, I'm sure, sure. as your life went on. Yeah. I mean, competition, like, I don't know if that's kind of what you're hinting at, but um, competition is something always that we've, you know, we've seen, but it's never, whether it's been in this business or other businesses that we've built and sold, um, you know, competitors come and they go. Uh, if you're spending more time worried about what other people are doing, it, it means you're not spending enough time thinking about what you actually should be doing. Um, and taking action on it. So yes, you know, looking at the competitive landscape is important, but it's not something that we've ever really spent a great deal of time uh, or resources dwelling on. Uh, in terms of challenges though, yeah, I mean, I think every business owner encounters challenges. It doesn't matter whether they're running a company that's doing $10,000 a month, $100,000 a month, a million dollars a month or, or more, you're still going to encounter different challenges. Uh, what sets you apart, you know, in terms of whether you're going to be successful or not is, uh, are you overcoming those challenges? Are you getting back up when you get knocked down and saying, okay, yeah, that was a challenge, uh, not a failure, but uh, an opportunity to learn more and can I improve and how do I improve from that? So at the beginning, definitely, you know, the first few years, I think in most businesses, you're going to encounter some challenges, uh, but you'll encounter other challenges as you continue uh, going. And so I think we learned that from experience um, you know, of running businesses and we've continued to bring that in. Listen, we've definitely made a lot of mistakes, uh, sometimes very costly ones, but we learn from them and then we're better off because of them. Yeah. Was there something in particular that you realized you needed to bring other people in based on their expertise? Like, or was it, was it really just about getting to the next, you know, plateau that you realize like we're doing okay, yeah. but we're trying to break through. There's always like, there's always those lines in the sand that have seemed to be, you know, when you're, you're, you're trying to get your first half million, that kind of thing. Like, it's always like a moment where you're like, ah, oh, so close, you know, like we yeah. need something else. 
I mean, those lines always get pushed, right? So I remember uh, when Sam and I were, were talking about this business at the beginning going like, oh yeah, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we were generating $10,000 and we could just like, that would be enough to live anywhere in the world and we could be totally free. And and then, you know, you get there, it's like, okay, well now it's, you know, the next level, <laughs> the next level, the next level. Uh, I think, you know, as humans, it's not now, and again, for quite some time, it's not about the money. I mean, money is, is a way to measure, but it's, um, it's much more about like, why are we actually setting those goals higher and higher? Right. Uh, we're setting them higher because it's about achievement. It's about a challenge. Um, and I think that's really what's, what creates a successful entrepreneur is, uh, wanting to challenge yourself. And it doesn't have to be about the financial aspect itself, but if you're not challenging yourself, uh, you're, you're certainly not growing. And so to answer your other question, Robbie, like, as we are growing, do we bring in other people? Uh, the answer is yes. And I think, for most people, when you're early stage in your business, you do everything you can not to bring other people in because you have this idea, which is false, um, that the more that you do yourself, right, the more money you're going to make and the better off you are. And it would take too long to teach other people, so on and so on. And so a lot of people early stage in business delay doing that. Yet, the more that you can do that, the more that you can find these low value tasks or areas in your business that you're just not an expert in and that shouldn't, you, know, you shouldn't be spending your time on get those taken care of that then allows you to focus on your highest uh, areas and kind of you know a value which really then creates significantly more uh, opportunity and progress and and also profit absolutely so I, I imagine also as you were growing this business business over the last 10 years that the type of clients that you attracted and you were able to work with kind of almost uh, like laddered up you know you start with who you know and now probably the people you're working with today would have not seemed within reach years ago. Is that, is that kind of how it grew organically? And did you always have an idea of who you wanted to work with and you kind of kept reaching for it? Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, that's a really good question and it's, it's gone up and down, but maybe in a way that most people wouldn't expect. So, you know, I went from spending a lot of time or all my time uh, consulting with billion dollar organizations. And then as that shifted, I started to spend more time helping consultants who you know, were either independent consultants or small firms. So it went from a very high level in terms right. of, you know, size to a very small level. Um, and then it's been in between. But really where we spend most of our time these days is working with those independent or small consulting firm owners to help them to to grow just because the impact is so great. Um, there's, you know, a lot of areas where people are looking for help and we've been able to develop a really good process, uh, you know, over the last decade and, you know, even 18 years of doing our own thing as well. Uh, that that we know when people apply, if it's the right type of client, uh, that they're going to see some really great results from it. Yeah. So um, since this is a show about networking, um, I want to sort of talk a little bit about that. Like as you've you know you've had so many changes, you and Sam, you've you've changed countries, you've changed businesses, you've yeah. changed the kind of clients you work with, um, you travel a lot, and you've developed, I imagine, through all of that, like amazing relationships. How are you? How are you nurturing or sustaining those sort of second and third layers out connections? Like not your, not your current clients and even your prospective mm-hmm. clients, but the, the colleagues that you might meet somewhere or the people you used to work with or work for. Like, how, yeah. like what's your habits or practices or philosophy around that? Well, I mean, the first thing I'll just say there is just to echo um, and you know, what you're saying certainly resonates because we're very big believers in 
uh, relationships. The consulting business is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, one of our uh, previous businesses, the the company, the consultancy that we ran both in North America and in Japan was called Kanke Culture. And uh, in Japanese, Kanke means relationship. So it was like relationship culture. That's what it, we were all about. Uh, that's how big, you know, uh, that's awesome. we, we are in it. But yeah, in terms of your specific question, so uh, you know what we've done, or what kind of we're doing right now, is really all about um, cr- creating and, and sharing and communicating value. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is our our client base is global. Uh, I can't physically meet with with everyone, and um, you know certainly. But what what we can do is to create as much uh, value in the marketplace, and then get that in front of prospective clients or people that we want to um, to influence or that we want to uh, to work with and that can be everything from you know uh, videos on YouTube to articles to writing uh, a newsletter to doing a podcast um, so these are all things that you know they're not one to one but mm-hmm. they do help you to build relationships because we get emails uh, all the time from people saying hey I just listened to this podcast episode that you did we have one called our 10 guiding principles where Sam and I just kind of talk through what are our core beliefs and how they influence our decision-making process, how it's influenced us, you know, growing, um, set, you know, seven figure businesses and so forth. And, um, and people email and say like, wow, thank you. Like that, I really resonated with that. So it's not a one-to-one, but I think when you create the right type of content and you're very clear around like who you want or who you're speaking to with that content, that is one way to, um, to build that relationship. Beyond that, there's other steps that I think are important to take. And that is really about kind of getting clear on who do you want to, to build relationships with and then finding ways to, uh, to add value for them directly. And so, you know, you mentioned maybe not like your first and second degree connection or not first degree connections in terms of whether, I don't know, we're classifying this based on LinkedIn, like you're directly connected to them. But there's lots of people, for example, in my world who I'll never do business with. And I know that they're not my ideal client, mm-hmm. but I know that they can add value in some other way. Um, and even if that value is just they're smart people and having conversations with them allows me to learn you know, things that otherwise I might not know about. And that is value that I can bring to my own business, to my own life, to, to our clients. Uh, and so those people are like I have in my calendar every single week on a Friday, I'll look through this list and I will send out messages to people. Uh, and it might just be like, Hey, how are you doing? Hope you're enjoying you know, the summer or hope you had a great summer or, um, you know, congratulations on the new book or whatever it might be. And it's nothing about business. It's just about saying hi and the relationship because deep down and maybe not even that, that deep down people know, right. Uh, people know when you're being genuine, they, they know when you send sure. an email and really there's something like, you know, that you want to get out of that email, but you're not clear about it. Like people can kind of sense that. Um, and I think if you really want to build meaningful, valuable and profitable relationships, um, actually this brings up, actually one of the books that I wrote is actually called profitable relations. So uh-huh. just <laughs> letting you know about yeah. the, how, how much I enjoy the whole relationship thing. But, um, you know, in doing that, you have to have a long-term mindset. There's no such thing in my own experience, in my observation as a short-term profitable relationship. Like it might work in one way. Uh, just in the short term, but it's it's not going to be something that you're going to be happy right. about or, or appreciate longer term. So if you understand like it's long term, then you don't need to get anything directly out of that in the short term. And so you then that frees you up to be able to provide as much value or 
um, just, you know, relationship, uh, kind of building ideas or like whatever it might be so that that person knows you, you know them, they might send people to you or, or otherwise. This reminds me a lot about John Corcoran. Do you know John by any chance? I do know John, yeah. So Great John's guy. got his 50 conversation list. Um, and uh, we'll link to his interview uh, in the show notes. But he sat down and sort of sort of what you're talking about, he made this list of 50 people that he wanted to be in touch with for that year. And every single day on his planner, he's got a little spot to reach out to somebody on that list and kind of just yeah. move through his list. How did you approach first creating that list? Like what were the parameters? I think people struggle with that. Like how do you, like you said, it's not all directly profit. You, you are unattached to the outcome, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. I think too many times people go into these moments, these conversations and the networking events, totally wanting something to happen. And that means that people smell that from a mile away and they don't want to avoid them. Like they feel like they're going to get pitched in some way. So you're, you're really just doing like, hey, how are you calls? and all that. So how did you identify who was going to be on that initial list and how long was your list? Yeah, so it just starts off uh, by getting clear on, you know, what is your goal? Mm-hmm. What, what do you want to accomplish? What, what is going to um, create, you know, a meaningful year for you? And so everyone's, you know, decision might be different around that. But if you know, for example, you want to get onto more podcasts or you want to write for bigger publications or you want to get onto speaking stages or you want to whatever it might be, you know, interview certain types of people, then you can start to think about, well, who are the influencers? Who are the people that may be able to help me to do that? But again, you don't approach those people necessarily right away, unless you have a relationship already that allows you to do that. You don't approach them and and ask like, hey, I don't really know you that well, but would you introduce me to this person? Or, you know, would you want to, you don't do that kind of thing. But what you can do is to start adding value in that relationship, knowing that they're in the right place um, and that something good probably will come from it, but you don't need to, to ask right away. So that's been the approach that I've taken. I, I think this adding value piece is so important. And when I talk to my clients about it, you know, I have this uh, online coaching program for entrepreneurial women. They at first don't really grasp, they understand the concept, but they don't understand how to execute it. So when you're saying adding little bits of value to these relationships, what are some examples that not not that not so much value that you offer as a company, mm-hmm. but when you're you know connecting with these colleagues that are not going to necessarily be your ideal clients, like what are the kinds of ways you're offering them value? Sure, yeah. I mean, there's, this was actually taught to me originally when I was in Japan. I had a mentor there, um, not in a formal structure, but but really just someone I looked up to. Um, he ran a very successful advertising agency in Japan, much older than uh, than I was at that time. Obviously, still. Uh, and he just, you know, he was a master of business and a master of build, building relationships, could pretty much get into like almost any company, you know, in Japan. It was it was amazing to see. And one thing that he taught me, and this is kind of, you know, going back obviously several, uh, many years, was he would read the newspaper every single day. He'd read multiple newspapers and he would cl- he would cut out articles that he thought people that he knew would find beneficial. And, uh, and then he would either take those uh, cutouts to a meeting with those people, or he would fax it to them. Um, you know, that's really what he did. And there, he wasn't giving it to them because he was saying like, Hey, buy from, you know, our ad agency. It was his way of providing value to them. And so in this day you could still do that, but uh, like, you know, take a picture with your phone of an article you see in a print publication, or you might be reading online and find something that like, Oh yeah, I know someone who's in far, you know, in pharmaceutical and there's this new 
um, opportunity or this new product that just came out, this new whatever, uh, you know, or book, think they might enjoy it, shoot them over a link to it and say, Hey, hope you're having a great day. You know, just saw this and, and thought of you. So that's, that's one way, right. To, to do that. Um, there's also other ways of connecting people, right. Finding, uh, others that, that you believe that they would benefit from meeting, that it would serve and to create value for both, you know, for both parties. And there's nothing that you would necessarily get out of that other than the feeling of like, wow, I connected people and uh, hopefully this turns out into a positive relationship. But just even the fact that you've taken something that you've given, right? There's a, the Bob Berg book, uh, Bob Berg book right? The Go-Giver, which I think is a really great example of um, and demonstration of giving and how that actually then allows you to get. But if you start off by trying to get, right, you, you don't actually typically get very much. What's remarkable is that I was interviewed this morning for a podcast called Live on Purpose and Bob Berg's book came up there as well. So we're definitely going to have to link to that in the show notes. Uh, be a go-giver, not a go-getter. It's, it's such a, it so fits in with what we're talking about. It really does yeah. resonate. Um, these are great examples. and I think uh, some more that has come to mind is, you know, anyone who creates content is doing so usually in isolation and then they throw it out into the world and they hope people will like it. And yeah, you can see subscribe numbers and download numbers. But what really matters when you hit, get someone hits reply and they send you a message or they leave you a, a review somewhere and you're like, this is actually impacting people's mm-hmm. lives in a positive way. Like that's what keeps that person creating sure. more content. So if you're ever inspired by anything you're listening to or reading or watching, like, you know, hitting reply, actually hitting reply to someone's email list. Like, you're, you know, we're all on these like marketing lists, you know, hitting reply and saying something about that message. You'd be amazed. There's an actual human being on the other side. Our world is much flatter than it used to be as far as like reaching out to people and connecting. Well, and Robbie, if I might, I'll just add one other kind of tip that I've observed to work uh, exceptionally well over the years, which is uh, when you read something or hear something or see something that, uh, that resonates with you, find that person on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter how big they are. I mean, you know, it, it could be the CEO of a billion dollar organization or a worldwide best-selling author or a, you know, a sports celebrity. It doesn't matter who it is, but find that person on whatever platform they're on. It might be Instagram, it might be LinkedIn and so forth. Uh, and just send them a little connection request and a message saying, hey, I just, whatever, read your book, really enjoyed uh, this specific you know, topic or this chapter. Uh, thanks so much. Um, yeah. you know, would love to connect if you're open to it. And I see that that uh, people are always worried like, oh, that person would, would never want to connect with me. They're too busy. Like, no, I'm in a different league. But no, we're all humans. And um, if when you come across in a genuine way like that, you'll actually be surprised who you can connect with. And That's who you can great. Start you know, relationships it's, with. it's great advice. I've seen this work for my clients where they've, you know, upon my suggestion, reached out to authors that had a huge impact. And that has led to that author, you know, being in the book that that woman, my client was writing and like, you know, writing an endorsement. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just don't know. And part of it's that you are, you know, it's, it is about practicing being unattached to the outcome, but being open to the possibility, right? Like it's a little bit of both. You have to be open to the possibility and seeing what happens, but not so much like expectation that you're disappointed. And I think some people set themselves up for disappointment pretty easily. And it sounds like you had a great mentor, which really set you up for success. So as you're growing your business, you're developing relationships in this sort of natural way. I love this Friday morning ritual. How long have you been doing this, this Friday you know, reach out to people on your list. Is that an ongoing thing there? Yeah. I mean, I think specifically the Friday morning one's probably been three years now. Um, And 
you know, it, it depends on what's going on. Uh, I don't necessarily do it religiously, but the fact that it's in my calendar um, ensures that it's going to get done a lot more than otherwise, you know, it, it wouldn't. In, in my case, if something doesn't go onto my calendar, if I don't write it down, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, I think we're all so busy and with kids and all, all this other kind of stuff going on, it's, uh, it's very easy to let things slip through the cracks. So if it's a priority, you know, put it down the calendar. Yeah, and, absolutely. And um, you know, one thing that also makes me think of is uh, Chandler Bolt, who uh, started self-publishing school. He was a guest on my show and he spent an entire year sending uh, a thank you card once a day for an entire year um, to people yep. that he knew, that he wanted to know. And people were writing him back and mailing him books because he was writing about like what he was working on in his business. And they were like, sending him like books to read and he was sending him back like what he got out of the books and it's just all these relationships developed because he spent one year and he was young i mean he's still young <laughs> well he, he really he got started like in college and you know just a couple years out of college there's like no reason for anyone to think that that they can't do that themselves but there is a certain mindset that you have to have or have developed to feel like you should be making those efforts i i think of a, a network as sort of an insurance policy you hope to not ever really, really need them. But if you've developed the network, then they'll be there for you. If you, you know, if you ever had your life kind of uh, come tumbling apart, which, um, which does happen occasionally, I think, as we're, we're moving through the world. So, um, so this has been great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about regarding networking that you're thinking, oh, I really want to add like two more things because um, there's, there's, I feel like you're just, you're living it. We also have some concrete takeaways, which is fantastic. Uh, I think the the biggest thing that I would um, bring up is just the importance of taking action. Uh, oftentimes, as you were kind of alluding to there, Robbie, right? People have a desire; they want to achieve something, uh, but they don't take the action because they're concerned about what that outcome might be, or how people might think of them, or that someone would say no, or that something negative might occur. But there's there's no such thing as success that comes from just thinking. Uh, success only comes from when you actually take action. Um, and the other thing that I would offer is that the best source of feedback to know whether what you're doing is good or could be better or, you know, isn't good and, and needs a lot of improvement is to actually put it out there into the world and to reach out to other people and to ask questions. Um, that's going to give you the real life feedback that will then help you to actually make those improvements rather than you just kind of thinking about it yourself and planning and creating, you know, documentation and updating your website copy and all that, that that's not going to have an impact uh, in any way as much as actually reaching out to others. And just the one other final thing I'll mention on this topic is that I really do believe that people want to help uh, and they're not going to help if you don't know, or if you don't tell them that you're looking for help. And I'm not suggesting you go to people and say, Hey, I need your help. Uh, but in fact, actually doing that is very powerful. Uh, as long as you are genuine, as long as you know, you're uh, reaching out to someone for an appropriate reason, uh, you know, you're, Example there with Chandler Bolt, I think is a very good one, right? Why would people write back and send them books? Because they want to help. Uh, they don't need to. These are probably you know busy, successful people. But I think all of us who have accomplished something recognize and appreciate uh, others who are working hard to accomplish something as well. And we get satisfaction from helping other people, even if it doesn't benefit us directly. It's just that sense, that feeling. I know when I meet somebody on the street uh, who I've never met before, if I'm able to help them in even just some small way, um, and I, I'm not going to get anything out of that, but what I do get out of it is a feeling of happiness and warmth and that I've done something good. Uh, and I believe that we all have that. 
I've read some studies that actually document that feeling and that, it, you know, we, it, we really, it, it, we are getting something out of those moments. It, but, it, but like you said, it's not like you're getting a thing back. You're getting a feeling or a little, a little uh, endorphin right. boost, I think, which is, which is great. And, you know, it, it, it pays it forward because then that person is more likely to also go do something really positive in the world. I always think about, um, I have this, <laughs> I have this like funny um, example of giving rides to the airport. Um, which is kind of a pain. It's no one ever loves doing it. But the reason you say yes is because you have a relationship, mm-hmm. you have access to a car, and you have the time. Um, and you know that the person that you're driving is going to appreciate it um, for what it is, which is a nice little gesture. And if you become known as the kind of person who gives rides to the airport, one day you're going to need a ride. And not only will you get a ride, but it'll probably be from someone that you haven't driven yet because they see you as the kind of person who gives rides to the airport. And they want to help you. So this is the part where it's not directly going to benefit you. But if you become that go-giver, you know, and you're out there in the world kind of figuratively and sometimes literally giving rides to the airport, um, I think that attracts the kind of people who want to give back. And it sounds like that's how you've developed your core network. Um, And that's how you've been able to establish this business over the last 18 years is really giving this value. And I think even this this, uh, interview right now, you gave a ton of value about how people can um, kind of move in that direction, mindfully move in that direction and not, not get sort of stuck or disappointed along the way. So um, we're coming on to the end, end of this. So this is one of my favorite questions here, Michael, is I want to know if we're reconnecting a year from now and we're like going through all of the success that you've had in the past year and we're like congratulating you and toasting your success, what are we going to be celebrating? Uh, we will be celebrating... I think the continuation of what we're working on on now, um, you know, success of uh, of our clients, uh, a new book coming out, uh, a new program coming out, uh, a new addition to wow. the family. Um, <laughs> but I think most of all, yeah, we'll just we'll just be, um, you know, we'll be toasting life uh, and that we've lived another year because I think far too often we we don't or we you know we do take for granted what we all have. And so many of us are in a position where, uh, you know, we we go to day to day and we're focusing on all these material things and and accomplishments that we want to have, but we then take our eye off of the present. We're thinking either too much about the past or too much about the future. And and those are important things. We don't want to forget the past. And certainly we want to be thinking about the future so that we can set goals and take actions that will, you know, get us to that future state that we desire. But if we're not focused on our present, if we're not appreciating the moment that we have, then, then we're not really living life. Yeah, absolutely. Great words of wisdom there. So, Michael, how can people find you and follow your work? Uh, yeah, the best place is to go to consultingsuccess.com. Uh, there's plenty of free resources there, as well as uh, more detailed and kind of deeper resources for those who want to become consultants or if they're already a consultant and want to take their consulting business to the next level and, and scale it up. Uh, they can find out all the information there. Fantastic. And you got a new book coming out, right? Consulting Success, The Proven Guide to Start, Run, and Grow a Successful Consulting Business. You and actually, it. at the time that this airs, it will have just been out for about a week. So I will have a link right in the show notes to it on Amazon. Awesome. Congratulations. That's pretty pretty uh, big deal. And um, just to be really specific, people listening, reviews matter. So go ahead and <laughs> go get a copy of that book if this is your jam and uh, go leave a review for Michael. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hey, Robbie, thanks. It's been a lot of fun. 
I hope you enjoyed the interview with Michael. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 117. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. And as I mentioned earlier, the next cohort for the MORE program for entrepreneur women begins in January. It's a six-month program to help you take your business to the next level through relationship-based strategies. The early bird offer expires on December 15th, so check out the details at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. And let's find a time to chat about whether working together will give you the clarity, focus, and strategy you're seeking. Interested in one-on-one coaching? I offer a few different options. Reach out and we can schedule a complimentary chat to see how I can help you. If you enjoyed this episode with Michael, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.